Hello, Carl. Why, you were busy playing my own worst enemy. I lit last night at the blues game. I was raising the roof at Tina, the Tina Turner musical, which uh, is, I think it's pretty much a solid hit in St. Louis by the reaction last night. Did she find out what love had to do with it? <laughs> we'll be talking to Delisa Richardson about her film at the St. Louis International Film Festival, Eliza, showing on Sunday. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about Black Barbie, the documentary, around minute 18. Around minute 22, Dr. Jeremy Housewright talking about his book, For the Love of the Show, Wrestling Fans Tell Their Stories. Around minute 56, May, December on Netflix. Around minute 62, Next Goal Wins. Around one hour and four minutes, Stamped from the Beginning and The Crown. It's really a, a fun show, but it's also a, a really great comeback story, as you know, because we love the documentary on HBO. I hear she's simply the best in it. Yes. And uh, there's two actresses that alternate the roles. And I have an email into Megan asking which one I saw, because that would be important. And then there's- I'd imagine that's a very, uh, a very- demanding role that you would need two different people to do it because it's probably exhausting oh yeah well the the woman who played the role on broadway adrian weren't she won the tony for it i and, know yeah and it's spectacular in the staging but you know it's rough because you know i'm not a good person so uh yeah, so we all know that ike was a horrible horrible human being Yes, and they, uh, and he's but a good um, musician. You cannot take away his music, you have to separate yeah. the art from the artist, Lynn. I know because he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, he, uh, yeah, he was a big part of here. Yeah, well, music. Tina's in there twice, right? One of three women to be in individually, so pretty cool. So uh, we've been having, just because we have the St. Louis International Film Festival, and because of Tina last night, I missed Alexander Payne, the great, uh, one of my favorite directors for The Descendants, and and uh, which is going to be on tonight at the St. Louis Film Festival. But he presented The Holdovers last night, which I like very much, and I am definitely considering the performers in my votes for the year-end awards. And, and you also missed... Uh, Hunger Games, Songs of Dragons, and whatever the hell it is. The the, the Adolphus Snow story. Yes, and as a matter of fact, I was at Napoleon yesterday for the afternoon screening, and <laughs> it was two hours and 38 minutes of my life I would like back. And uh, the people that were there with me were going to grab a quick bite to eat and come back for the Hunger Games. So they had already seen napoleon and then they went a back slog oh my wow God. napoleon's a no-go no it's so okay. it's it's sterile it's the story's awful it's impressively shot but really it never takes off the ground no hey that's our guest delisa richardson hi hi <laughs> i was gonna i was going to get to delisa because she is part of the st louis international film festival what? she is a she, yes, she is a local filmmaker and actress and health advocate that lives in O'Fallon, Illinois. And that, that's that's Il Fallon. Yep. There's Il Fallon and Mo Fallon. Yeah. Well, right. she's a, she's in the happening growing O'Fallon, which full disclosure, I cover for the Belleville News Democrat. So 
Anyway, and I just want to give a quick shout out because she knows uh, who I'm talking about because she is quite the social media influencer, Delisa. And uh, I just did one of her favorite bakeries for a story, Harriet's Sweet Treats, and the best banana pudding ever and the best gooey butter cake cookie. Would you agree? Yes. I would completely agree. They are on my Thanksgiving pie order list right now. Yes, which you can do. You can order pie by November 18th, just FYI. But if you Google Harriet's Sweet Treats, you can find all of that out. And St. Louis Magazine's uh, a cover issue, Best New Restaurants, came out. And it was in my mailbox last night when I got home from Tina. And my piece on Leono is in there and the Ono is in O'Fallon, Illinois, one of the best new restaurants in all of St. Louis. And I tend to agree because it's wonderful. Is it a French restaurant? It is a Polynesian with French fusion and it's delicious. Okay. Don't you agree, Delisa? Yes. It's very, very good. It's very good. Absolutely delicious. And those people are so wonderful and hospitable. It has a very beachy vacation vibe, Carl. Okay. Really? Yeah, it's beautiful inside yeah. and out. The patio area, all of it. It's it's so nice and it's so unique. And they're going to start Sunday brunch next week, FYI. So, How are yeah. the mimosas? Well, they will probably be spectacular because their craft cocktails are indescribably delicious. Yes. Good Fair. to know. Yeah. So we will now. Let's not talk about ill felon restaurants. Let's talk about Sliff. Yes. St. Louis International Film Festival. We are having a good time watching everything. And uh, Delisa has been on the front burner of this because she directed and co-wrote Eliza, which was one of the winning shorts at the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase this summer. Delisa, Carl was on the documentary jury. And so I did know, not get to see yours because they did not let us lowly documentary people see the narratives. But he did oh. get to see Zia Nazami's Highland incident and also the bring back that mono, right? Bring that, that mono back? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I have that song ready to play at the hockey game. I just, I think the day after Thanksgiving will be a great day to play that because it's a two o'clock game and people will want to be rid of their families. So Delisa has been acting. And uh, before we get to your film, what are some of the commercials that we might have seen you on on local television? Schnooks, uh, Amron, Spire, back then, Cleed, Gas, Build Bear. Mercy Hospital and BJC. And uh, I guess the list goes on. There's so there's so many. Edward Jones. I've been uh, lucky enough to have a lot of commercial work here in St. Louis. And then you wait for those 13 weeks to be over. And then you sit there and you say, oh, yay, they renewed it. And then you get paid again. Yeah, <laughs> I just get the check in the mail when I find out they renewed it. This check just comes. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey. Okay. Well, that's good. That's really wonderful. Well, uh, one of the things that is is fun is seeing people that you know on television and you go, I know that person. 
I know that person. Well, Chris Clark honored her, Carl, before the Showcase Awards in July with the best dressed, the best looking uh, filmmaker there. Because <laughs> she had a beautiful dress on. And so he, he recognized her and Mia Bible. Yeah. So that was fun. Unexpected, right? Totally and her unexpected. Yes. And her war, um, her movie, Eliza, which she will talk about, is uh one for best actress and one for best makeup and hair. So yes. tell us about Eliza and it's gonna screen this Sunday, but it's sold out. Yes, wow, it sold out pretty quickly. Um Eliza is the story of Eliza Roan and the Campbell family at, at that time, one of the most prestigious families in uh, St. Louis. It was discovered that she was an enslaved woman in the home. And our story goes through her relationship with the Campbells and is inspired by her true story, which you know was found out by a volunteer at the Campbell house. Um, but maybe about eight or nine years ago or so. So it was a really fascinating story and we just had to tell it. Well, you used the Campbell house, didn't you, for the filming of it? Yes, we did. Andy Hahn was gracious enough to let us use the Campbell house. That is kind of a funny story because he had gone to my partner, Dan Stedman, and said, hey, we have this museum. Do you think that you might want to film something here? So Dan had talked to me about it and we were actually writing for something else. And then the revelations about Eliza came up and we just did a pivot and said, this is what we want to do. Once we were able to take a look at like some of the letters between Eliza and the Campbells, it all took on a different meaning. And Dan said, Hey, you want to write this one? I said, yeah, this is the one we need to write. This is St. Louis history. And you don't get to film in a place like the Campbell Mansion. So it just all came together. Yeah, well, it really looked authentic and the costumes too. And my friend Tammy Dunsing is in a featured role. I just want to point that out because, you know, full disclosure. And but she's, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's very good in it because even people on, um, because, you know, I had to tell the jury, well, I know people in this, just FYI. And they go, oh, she's very good. <laughs> Tammy's fantastic. And what I loved about Tammy is that she bought her own wardrobe because we know Tammy has a, an amazing life and she bought her own wardrobe and it was totally authentic because she yeah. had done re reenactments. Right. Because her husband used to be um, the character at the uh, Fort Deschartes in Prairie de Rocher, Illinois, which is a really incredible French fort. And, uh, uh, the locals just say Roacher, and then they <laughs> say Fort, they say Fort Charters, <laughs> but we say in French Fort de Chaux. No, so, we don't. Yes, we do, and so okay. I'm so happy. But Delisa is a very talented person. She's being humble. But so, what is next for you, and what is next for the film? Because this is the first film you directed, correct? Yes, this is the the first film that I have directed and written as well co-written and co-directed yeah this is my first one right out of the gun I have what's next wow I have some things in front of the camera that I can't yet talk about um, because I do love being in front of the camera those um, will be happening in probably mid 2024 
actually going back to my roots in the theater as well in 2024. Um, and as far as film, I'm it's crazy to say, but I'm taking time off for the holidays. It will be my downtime on the holidays. Good, good for you. And I'm going to start writing something probably first of the year. It's ruminating in my head now. And uh, I think by the time I have to come up from air after the festival and everything, I'll have it all ready to write some stuff starting first of the year. Well, I do want to say that it is the showcase and there are four films. And I actually have seen one of them because one of them is the documentary about black faculty hired at the historically white institution over in Illinois, Cluster Luck. I enjoyed that very much. So I have seen a quarter of the films. I recommend the one I've seen very much because it is an interesting story about a cluster of teachers who all got together. It was interesting because if they hire one minority person, then they feel they're always the outsider. But if you hire more than one, they can click with a Q-U-E. And so they have the support system in there. It was It's a very fascinating study at how they all uh, had the shared experience. And I'm it's, it's an interesting story for a documentary. That's another thing about the showcase. All of the films are, they're all less than a half hour. So if you don't like one, it's going to be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I have not seen yet. I think that, is that it's Cam a documentary. one. Yeah, yeah Cam I'm, Thomas. I am excited to see that one. Now, well, do you know what order they're going to be in? I do not know what order they're going to be in. They do matter. not tell us that. Yeah, they just started at two. They started at two and then they go, now Sunday night is going to be the closing night celebration. And another East Sider, Reginald Hudlin, is going to be honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And his movie, Candy Cane Lane, with Eddie Murphy is coming out on Amazon in December, but also his, uh, they're celebrating 50 years of hip hop and his movie house party started the film festival, but he's done a lot. He produces the, he's produced the Oscars. He's produced the Emmys. He's produced the BET awards. He directed the great documentary on Sydney Potier last year, Sydney. And, uh, so, so it's awesome. So have you met him yet? Or do, do you, are you going to go Delisa? Oh, I'm most definitely going. I have not had a chance to meet him yet. I'm hoping to to do that. I did go to the opening night. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for the closing festivities. Yeah, so I really love that these uh, shorts get more attention now. So what do you think is going to be the post-life after the festivals? What's going to happen with Eliza? We are toying around with some things. Um, Eventually, we thought she might end up on a stream platform, but I'm thinking right now about maybe adding some kind of post footage or so. Um, I really want to explore, after talking to Andy at the Campbell House, I want to explore Eliza's life after she was emancipated. We know that she moved to Kansas City with um, her husband and her two children. And not much is known about what happened afterwards, but we do know that she passed away in 1923 and she has a gravestone there that 
Andy from the Campbell House has visited and I want to go visit. And he has been in contact with some of her surviving relatives. So I am going to try to work with him and maybe his counterpart in Kansas City to see what life was like and maybe go up there, do some additional footage and see what we can uh, put together. Are you thinking of expanding your short to a feature then? I believe we have to, we do have some footage. Yes, because for somewhere like Amazon Prime, there is a limit. So it needs to be about 45 minutes or so. Okay. So we have some things that we've already done as far as, you know, how this was made, you know, how the story was made behind the story behind Eliza. We did some interviews with our cast and crew and Andy at the Campbell House. So we were going to thinking about adding that on. Um, but I'm, I really like the idea of furthering that and going into Kansas City and seeing what I can find and hopefully finding a picture. I really want to find a picture. That's something they haven't been able to find. So that would be mm-hmm. awesome because they did do a PBS on Living St. Louis and PBS. They did a nice story on Eliza and they just had kind of an artist rendering and everyone is looking for a picture. So hopefully we could find one somewhere. That'll be great. And now Missouri has tax credits. So yay. Yes. So that would be good because then hopefully, you know, that would be more of an incentive to get that done. So, well, that's yeah. wonderful. So I, well, I look forward to seeing what you've got up, uh, what's next on your agenda. Uh, also, Carl, she is out and about a lot and she saw the movie uh, Black Barbie. So um, that is going to be coming out, too. So I would like your quick review of Black Barbie. Black Barbie was so fascinating to me, and it really brought back a lot of my childhood as I am a 70s baby. I was born in 1970. So I remember being a little girl and, you know, trying to find a doll that, that looked like me. And I remember when we first found the black Barbie and I don't want to give too much away for the documentary, but there's one thing in there that uh, I think a lot of um, folks like me can relate to having the original Barbie with the beautiful flowing blonde hair. As a little girl, I used to put a a t-shirt like a white t-shirt over my head and kind of you know flow so it'd be like my hair because that's what we saw that Barbie Barbie Mm -hmm. did and my hair didn't do that all the time back then unless my mom you know went through and did uh little treatments on it so it was having the doll and and just listening to the history of Mattel and the workers with the doll is so interesting and i think everyone will love it everyone will love this movie if you love barbie you need to check this documentary out it's fascinating and the in the margot robbie version of barbie uh black barbie's the president so yes she is the lovely Issa ray who uh, yes yes well she's so funny i know she is hilarious i loved her as the president but i like her in anything uh, Delisa is from Webster Groves and the Webster Kirkwood Times did a, did a feature on her this week. So if you want to look Who that wrote up, that? Well, not, no, I did not. Wow. I did not. Uh, another feature writer wrote it. So uh, she talked about everybody at the film festival with local connections because it's only, you know, Webster Groves. So, so Delisa's in that and it actually came out Friday. So it's online now. 
you can see it online. And then yes. uh, you're going to be on Show Me St. Louis soon. Yes, it should be on Show Me St. Louis uh, sometime this week. I'm going to, I heard Friday, but I'm just going to say sometime this week. <laughs> well, go to cinemastlouis.org. You can find out more. Unfortunately, your showcase is sold out, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you still can't go to the sliff and see something that you like. Almost definitely. And celebrate local filmmakers because that's really yeah. important. Yes. And, you know, keep an eye on Eliza because there may be some other showings popping up. Oh, in the future. Now, so, where can we find you socially so we can find out these things? Uh, you can check Eliza Film on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you could check me out at actor Delisa Richardson on Instagram and Facebook as well. Good to know. Well, thank you so much for your time because you are a busy person, and I'm so happy that you could you could uh, spend Join some us. time with us. Yes. Oh, thank you, Lynn, for having me. You know, I will always make time for you. I adore oh. you. Oh, well, thank you. It's I a hear mutual that all the time. <laughs> it's a mutual ad ad admiration society. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Delisa. You're welcome. Have a great time this weekend. I will. You too. Thanks. Well, the high point was happening on Sunday night because I went to see The Taste of Things, which is Juliette Binoche and her ex-lover, Benoit. Uh, I forget his last name. But it's a movie about art and love. I mean, about food and love set in 1885. And uh, I uh, participated in a Zoom call with her, the Oscar-winning actress, who if you recall, was in Chocolat with Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. Anyway, about her doing this role. And at the end of the interview, they asked, what do you want to take away from the taste of things? Which is France's entry submission for the Oscar the international feature category. She said, eat better, live better, love better. So wise words to live by, I think. So now we're going to talk about wrestling so yes eat better live better love better so we have with us today jeremy housewright dr jeremy housewright because he did the work to get a phd in education <laughs> and he has written a book about his passion for pro wrestling but it's not from the pro wrestlers point of view it's from the fans point of view so hey jeremy welcome Thanks for having me. How's everybody doing today? Very quite, well. Quite well. And then Lynn, there you go, Lynn. I'm going to get a picture of Jeremy up here. So go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> well, so I was I just did uh, SmackDown last week. Oh, not yes. last week. Last month I was just, I was at SmackDown and John Cena was there. And yeah. if you were at the event, I the deserve. things. The things that they were doing while the cameras were not on was fantastic compared to what you saw on television. And then Raw's coming in February, and that is its own. There, there's a tier of what you see on uh, on television because now next is going to be on something else. They're they're moving it from K. I think it's going to be on the CW. So I uh, think yeah. See, yeah. the doctor knows all these things. So 
there are so many levels of wrestling. There's so it's not just WWE anymore. There are other places you can go get your fix. Uh, my friend Randy Liebler helped write and do the documentary on the wrestling at the Chase. So St. Louis has a very historied uh, past with wrestling, and that's good to know. Yes, it does. Um, growing up, I heard a lot of stories about wrestling at the Chase, and I've been fortunate to work with some of those guys when they put on shows here. Um, I'm at all I'm at all the WWE shows, and I actually travel. Uh, I shoot photography for uh, ReviewSTL.com for all the WWE shows. I've been fortunate to uh, build a relationship with WWE to where now when they have, for instance, um, Survivor Series in Chicago, I'll be going there to shoot that show. Uh, when Royal Rumble's in Tampa, I'll probably go out there and I travel to WrestleMania. And that's kind of how the book actually got started was traveling to these shows. As a fan? Yes, as a fan. I, I started traveling uh, – my first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. Uh, myself and two friends drove there uh, and uh, took the show. And uh, ever since then, we've just started traveling to all these different shows. And now that I actually do some work for the outlets, um, it's kind of nice because I don't have to pay for my ticket. I, I get ah. in and I get... I get to do, you know, work and enjoy it at the same time. And I get to interview a lot of the wrestlers, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, it started out as traveling as a fan. And that's how the book idea came to be. Well, and John Cena holds the record for the person with the most Make-A-Wish appearances. So, yeah, that's great because I, I work at Enterprise Center. So when... <laughs> They come to town. There are so many things that the people don't see. I have to get there at one o'clock for the 655 show. So there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, they put little signs on the seat that says, if you leave your seat, we're going to fill it on TV. But then mm -hmm. if you are lucky enough to get on one of those seats, you get to take that seat home with you. Yes. And I have a couple of those seats in my basement my entire basement is wrestling memorabilia signed by different wrestlers that I've met and uh, photos that I've taken with them and such. But yeah, I have two of the chairs, uh, one from 2014, the Survivor Series, and then one from the Royal Rumble that was at the Dome a couple years ago. Uh, I keep those in the basement. Um, but yeah, you mentioned John Cena. Uh, one of the guys that I did uh, the feature in my book on, uh, Derek Baker, Got to meet John Cena this last time. Um, you know, Derek yeah. uh, is is one of the subjects that I wrote about, and he's just a great young man. His family is awesome. And John actually took a little time and pulled them aside and went back and met with them, gave Derek his T-shirt and his hat, literally gave him the shirt off of his back. Um, so I, which I think has, the Which world... has his face on it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think the world of John Cena, the things he does – for uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation is, um, you know, top of the line. Nobody can touch that. No no pro athlete is anywhere near that. And uh, so, yeah, he should be commended for that. Uh, I kept looking for him, but I couldn't see him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lynn, does, Lynn has no idea what we're talking about. No, she probably doesn't, no. Hey, I interviewed Hulk Hogan in 2009. Yeah. And and no, wait a minute. 2009 was was he a heel or was he a hero at the time? 
he was making the comeback. It well, was when he was going to be. What color was his mustache? Oh, uh, in the picture that we have oh. up here. Okay, so and, then he, uh, was, he was still a hero at the time. <laughs> they saved me. When... It was actually one of my favorite interviews ever because they saved me for the end because, you know, being a woman in a room full of guys that were doing the interviews and they came over to me and they said, oh, uh, I'm sorry, but we're we're only going to have about two minutes for you to talk to him because he's got to get on a flight. So I um, went over and started talking to me. You know, I told him how my kids. Listen started. here, sister. My no, he was very polite. My uh, children adored him and watched the all the the dub the raw and the whatever they were always Back watching. Down. Yeah, they were always watching all of it. They paid. They they convinced my mother to pay per view for these wrestling things, <laughs> you know. And and so anyway, I told him that my children were a big fan of his, and I said to him. You know what that show? Because I watched that show of his on VH1, Hulk Knows Best. I said, you know that show really showed that you are a good dad. Mm -hmm. He loved that. He loved it, and he opened the floodgates, and he told me his whole entire life. And they came over to get him, and he goes, "Oh, give us a couple more minutes. I could talk to her forever." And he asked me to walk with him to the car. That's how much he like. So here I am, you know, the woman in the room that whatever and then you know i get him to pour his heart out because i ask him about his family so anyway back to but that's a key thing like jeremy's talking about the family of wrestling the family that uh it creates and his the book is called for the love of the show it is now on amazon available but it's going to be on barnes noble on november 22nd is that correct jeremy that is correct. Yes, yes. Uh, I actually have a bunch of author copies coming to my house today that I ordered. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's out. So I encourage people to check it out, not just wrestling fans, but fans of any sport. Uh, you don't even have to be a sports fan. I mean, it's it's uh, and, I, you know, I break it down to where if you know nothing about wrestling, you will understand what what I'm talking about in the book. Well, a good, a, story a, good, a good story is a it good is. story, as you know. Well, Jeremy and I used to work together at a, a local yeah. newspaper. So um, we go way back. But Jeremy covered yep. sports for many, many years. Yes. And so he's got that background. But it also, because he was in newspapers, he wrote about people. So he mm -hmm. has a way of drawing people out and getting convinced. And he is part of the chief kingdom. For many, many, many years, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I yeah. interviewed him for for an article I did about the the Chiefs. Once the Rams left, the Chiefs were becoming more popular in St. Louis. I can't even remember what that was for, Jeremy. But but anyway, um, so, I was going know. to the Super Bowl. I, I think it was. I went to the Chiefs' first Super Bowl that they won. Yes. And uh, he also got taken by uh, scammers. But other than that, I, did. I didn't think he wanted to bring that up, Lynn. Yeah, no, 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 no. But it's quite a it's quite a story. But anyway, Carl, you've probably run into Jeremy at screenings and things because probably. I've seen Carl out at screenings. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to say that it's what's interesting, Lynn, when you met Hulk Hogan, now the wrestlers that you and I knew as well when we were younger let's just say now their kids are doing it we have yeah. 
We have not just sons, but daughters as well. And sometimes the ladies outdraw the men nowadays. And in fact, yes. the, what one of the WrestleManias recently had women as the main event. 35 in New York. I was there. Uh, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair, who I interviewed Charlotte Flair uh, about a year ago. and um, Rick's daughter. I, yeah, Rick Flair's daughter. I've met Rick. I've met Hulk a couple Woo. times. Um you know, and that's that's the fun of it. I, I get to meet these guys and, you know, talk to them. Um, and it it gives me some insight into their lives, you know, outside of the ring. And you, you'd be surprised a lot of these guys that uh, seem big and scary in the ring are actually quite the opposite. You well, know? they're professionals. Um, they're professionals. Yeah. They and we, you know, I was ta talking about the last SmackDown that was here. Uh, you would think somebody like John Cena would just like roll in and do his thing, but they were having, I wasn't going to, let's not say rehearsal. They were having a meeting of all the wrestlers and they were going over some of the things that were going to happen that night. And John Cena was there along with all the, the big stars, but Charlotte Flair was there. They are, they want to put on a good show. So they all come out and no one skimps on, well, I'm too big for this. I don't, I mean, they might have separate dressing rooms and they might've come sure, in on a do. private plane, but yeah. they are still there to do the work. Yes. And that's, that's the thing. It's, um, and, and that's kind of what inspired me with the book was just being there and people watching is a show within itself. You know, you have people who dress up as their favorite stars. Uh, you know, right now it's a guy named L.A. Knight. Everybody dresses up as, um, yep. you know, I, I've I've literally been to events like WrestleMania where you'll see a guy dressed up as Stone Cold Steve Austin. You'll see another guy with him dressed up as The Rock. And then there'll be a guy in a referee outfit and they will have an impromptu <laughs> match in the middle of the arena and people will start cheering and going crazy. I mean, it's it's really a phenomenon how WWE has just taken over entertainment. Um, I mean, there's not many sports. There's not many uh, shows that could draw 100,000 people and, and, and millions around the world watching on television. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big thing with it. And the fans are such a big part of it because I think if you watched any of it during the pandemic when there were no fans in the arena, it was a lot different. It was sometimes hard to pay attention and keep focused on it because it, the fans add so much, you know, just hearing them and on the television. Sorry about that. And, no, we, we uh, can't hear it. Okay, hearing their chants and things like that, that adds so much to the show itself. So the fans are a big part of it. Well, and also I, in the from the business point of view, love or hate Vince McMahon, he created – a thing they were the first dedicated sport to have their own app and have their own pay-per-view website yeah and everybody everybody else now has that or the sports channels have that but they were the first ones to you know what you can have wwe tv and you can pay and you can get exclusive content and then everybody else is like well that's never going to work and then it worked and now everybody has one right right yeah um vince is a genius when it comes to business, um, I'm not, personally, yeah, I'm going to leave that part out of it, but we, we never he, worked he, for him. 
Yeah, that I, I you know I've I've met his son Shane um, during Stephanie? the XFL days. I have not met Stephanie. Uh, I've 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 been pretty close. I've done press conferences with Triple H, who is kind of taking things over for in place for, of Vince. for the better. And he yeah he's doing a fantastic job. Listen, business has never been better for WWE and wrestling as a whole. I mean, it's amazing how much business has picked up for all the companies. Um, it just shows the power of good storytelling. That's that's the key. You have to be able to tell a good story. Well, since you're telling stories from fans, you have some people that believe wholeheartedly everything is real. You have some people that know that it's a soap opera, and you have some people that are like, well, they're they are athletes. They are doing athletic things. Do you have Absolutely. do you have uh, perspectives from all types of wrestling fans? Pretty much so. Um, yeah, I you know when I talk to uh, you know for instance, I interviewed a gentleman who's a referee for one of the companies. He's and, the one keeping them everyone safe in the ring. And he actually talk, tells a story about how he got cut up pretty good because he referees death matches ah. where they actually hit each other with like fluorescent lights and all kind of junk. And uh, he got cut up pretty good in one of the matches. And he tells the, the story wrestlers about it. were fine, but he was yeah. injured. Yeah. He actually met his wife through there and they got married in a wrestling ring. Aww. So that's what attracted me to his story. Um, you know, the, another story that I tell about Derek Baker, he's a young guy, uh, 26 years old, and you should check him out. Baker banter. Uh, they have 3 million followers on TikTok, And, uh, he really believes a lot of it. You know, he's a young man with down syndrome and he's really become kind of a focal point in that community of raising awareness and showing that people with disabilities can overcome that and still thrive. And he has been. And when I talked to him, um, he has made relationships with a lot of these wrestlers. They, you know, Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, they will call him and talk to him on, you know, on a normal basis. And uh, it was kind of funny because Dominic, Ray's younger son, is now what they call a heel, which is, a, and this is kind of how I break it down the book, a heel is a bad guy. And when he first met uh, Derek, he was a face, uh, a good guy. And when he turned heel, Derek did not want to talk to him. And uh, it, it was really sweet because Dominic would show up and, and they didn't want Dominic doing anything in public because they didn't want him uh, ru ruining his character as a heel. So he would show up in private and meet with Derek and, you know, give him a T-shirt or whatever. And Derek was kind of reluctant to take it at first because he, he was mad at Dominic for being a bad guy. Um, so yeah, you know, things like that, it, it was, it was really sweet. And that was the one story that I really had the most difficulty telling was Derek's because I wanted to do it justice. Um, what him and, and his family, he's, he's going to hear movie. about how you wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, you can't I think ruin that for him. Well, right. how did, I mean, how did you narrow it down to pick who you wanted to talk to? So I'll, I'll be honest, this I've had I had the idea about two years ago and I started meeting some friends and I tell my story as well in the book. And that's how it kind of came to be. I've I was traveling to these events and I would meet these guys 
and I'd become friends with them. The one guy I met six, seven years ago from Canada. And uh, it just so happened that he was staying at the same hotel right next door to us, 20 miles away. I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, we became great friends. He would come stay with me. I'd take him up to Kansas City for Chiefs games. And we've just become lifelong friends. I met a couple guys in Chicago from L.A. Same with them. We've met up in Las Vegas for shows. We talk pretty much daily through text uh, about wrestling and just other things. And uh, so I started toying with that idea of, you know, I got this story about meeting all these cool people. There's got to be other fans out there with different stories that are even better. So when I was in Las Vegas that night, this is about three years ago, uh, me and my buddy from California, I was telling him about it. He's like, well, why don't we just go up and down the strip and ask people <laughs> if they have. So literally we had a few drinks. I had one of them big old guitar drinks from New York, New York out in Vegas. Last time I ever drank a drink, a drop of alcohol in my life was three years ago that night. So I started wandering up and down the strip. Anyone I seen with a black wrestling t-shirt on, I would walk up to them and start talking to them. And, uh, I didn't pick any stories out from them, but that's what generated the idea. And I came home and I started going on to different wrestling fan pages and posting, Hey, if you got a story to tell, contact me. Um, so a few people reached out. And so I just started thinking about the stories and I want, I wanted the book to be kind of a um, potpourri of different positive stories, you know? So the one gentleman, Justin, who is originally from St. Louis. Now I think he lives on the East Coast in Maine or somewhere like that, Connecticut maybe. Um, he told me the story about he got a life-size WWF title, the original wing belt, tattooed around his waist ah. here in St. Louis. Took two and a half years to get done, and he actually went to the trouble of calling WWF and getting the exact specs of the belt. And had the artist from Trader Bob's tattoos do that tattoo. So and then did did he uh, get it altered when they changed the name? No, no, he did not. No, he did not. Um, but you know, I told his story because I thought you know that shows how outlandish some fans can be. And then with Kurt Gannon, he's an actual independent wrestler he's had to overcome some injuries to continue to wrestle and he doesn't, you know, wrestle on a big time organization for a big time organization. So he has a day job and this is his passion. So I thought, Oh, that's a good story. Then I tell the story of Kyle Scarborough, who is a tattoo artist from Washington, Missouri, a talented tattoo artist. I mean, one of the best I've seen. Um, and he, actually has met several of the wrestlers and he created a relationship with a wrestler named Bray Wyatt, uh, real name, Wyndham Rotunda. His dad was IRS years ago. Um, but him and Bray became friends. He did some work for him and he actually developed the mask that Bray wore as a character named the fiend a few years back, which was a highly successful character for WWE. He created it, and then Tom Savini, the Hollywood special effects guy, uh, he's in, like, From Dust Till Dawn, things like that. He actually created the mask based off of the drawings. So I thought, man, that's such a great story. And that was originally an article I did for Review STL. And it just so happened, I threw it in the book. And then as I'm writing, about five, six months ago, the news broke that Bray Wyatt passed away 
from a heart attack. And that really hit me hard because I was a huge Bray fan Um, because, and, and this is, this goes back to WrestleMania 35 when Kofi Kingston won the world title, there were people in the crowd crying. And the same when I was at WrestleMania 30, when Undertaker got beat by Brock Lesnar to end his WrestleMania streak of 20 straight wins, people were crying. And that night at WrestleMania 35 and Kofi won, I looked at a guy, an African-American gentleman, and I said, why are you crying, man? He said, because someone won the title who looks like me finally. And that struck me. And then same with Bray. Bray was a big, heavy set guy. And when they put the title on him, that meant something to me. Because I'm like, you know, you don't have to be a muscular Hulk Hogan figure to be a world champion. And same with like Mick Foley. I, I love Mick Foley. Uh, I've had which the, version of the, Mick Foley? All of them. Mick is just a great guy. I've I've interviewed him probably four times. Um, one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. Uh, has damaged his body beyond belief yes. with the things he's done. Um, his ear. He has half an ear. He's got half an ear because it got tore off in a match. Um, but you know, I understood that because I identify with those guys. They they're more meaningful to me because they're not muscular guys. They look like a normal guy. They look like me. And so when Bray passed away, that hit me and I knew it hit Kyle hard because they had a relationship. So I, I would contact Kyle through text and I would say, Hey, can I use these different text messages that you and Bray had sent to each other? And I actually, in the book, put the text chain the night that the fiend mass debuted at a pay-per-view from them two. And then I have a picture of them two together in the book as well. Um, so that was kind of, that turned from a story that I thought, you know, person following their dreams, getting to do something they're passionate about as well. Now it's a story about loss and overcoming that loss and, and dealing with that. Uh, so that changed a bit. And, and you know, then I talked to a, a young girl named Izzy Moreno from Florida um she went she's always wanted to be a pro wrestler and i would listen to a radio show called busted open on serious radio and she used to call in at the age of eight years old and and she knew more than any wrestling fans i knew about the business and she said she wanted to be a pro wrestler fast forward now eight years later she's 16 she's a pro wrestler wrestling in texas for mission pro wrestling literally travels back and forth to do matches trains in her garage trains in texas um it's a great story she's a phenomenal young lady i think you're going to be hearing about her in the wwe in the next couple years when she turns 18 um and then finally i told derek's story because i had met derek a few years back and got a photo with him and i was just amazed how the fans are, are attracted to derek they love his story they love his passion the wrestlers love his passion And the one that really stuck out to me was he was backstage at an AEW show here in St. Louis. And um, he was meeting all the wrestlers. And Derek's the type of guy, he just walks up to people and starts talking to them and hugs them. And I love that about him. He has no fear of meeting his heroes. And uh, and I always tell people, you know, the only wrestler I think I would be afraid to meet because I would probably fanboy out would be The Rock because he's just – He's the guy for me. Oh, Dwayne, he can, he, as I've said, and Lynn's tired of me saying that Dwayne elevates everything he's in because he commits fully. Yeah. I'm not tired of saying he's, <laughs> he's, he's just a genuinely good person, I think. I mean, you never hear anything bad about him. 
Except um, he hasn't been to a Battle Hawks game. <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not no, gonna hold that against no. him. He was he yeah, was no. making he made a lot of money off the Battlehawks. Yeah. Before yeah. before uh we let you go, I was gonna ask you, do you ever go to the the wrestling things on South Broadway? Do you ever go to those? I have been there. Um I'm actually friends with a gentleman who used to be involved with Herb Simmons. He runs SCW oh, yeah. yeah. in East Crondolette. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to go to those. I mean, I used to watch Moondog, who I think just retired, and uh, Gary Jackson. And uh, yeah, I used to attend those. They were fun. Um, and they draw a great crowd, too. I mean, they're usually standing room only every every night they have. And a lot of that might have to do with the $2 draft beer they have. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, not for not for the wrestlers, just for the no, fans. not for wrestlers. But you know, well, it's it's neat to see these guys living out their dreams and performing in front of people. Sure. Um, well, if you get the chance to talk to CJ Nazello on Riverbenders, oh, great, great. I'm so glad you guys got in touch because he he's there. He's at South Broadway, and then uh, my friend, my friend, uh, my uh, lawyer, and uh, um, a radio guy, Jake Kanzler, is a referee okay. there. Yeah. So he is. Wow. Yes, I know. Jake. Among his his five jobs that he right. does. Well, before yeah. we let you go, Jeremy, why didn't Roman Reigns ever break through? As a champion, he should be bigger than he is. You think? I think so. Yeah. I I don't think I don't think the crowds ever warmed up to him. So, as a Roman's the mistake WWE made with Roman early in his career was they tried to push him on the fans as a babyface. The fans don't like to have things pushed on them in wrestling. They like things to develop organically. Do they not um, know that there's there's beats that have to happen? They just Roman's character, I think, was not deep enough. But when they turned him, what what helped him is the fans embraced him when he had to battle leukemia. Yeah. When he came back from that, the fans embraced him, but WWE did the swerve because they turned him heel. The night he came back, he told off the fans in the middle of the ring. He said, you never backed me then. You're not going to back me now. The heck with you. I love him as a heel. I think he's wonderful. The the thing is, his time is getting shorter and shorter. I think he's going to go away after WrestleMania in April because from what I've been hearing, he's he can't do a full-time schedule because of the effects of dealing with the leukemia. And uh, so I look for his reign to end very shortly to Cody well, would Rhodes. They, would they turn him face just so he could end on a high note? It's possible, but I tell you what, the story they're telling with him and the bloodline with uh, his cousins, the Usos, and uh, Paul Heyman, who is a big factor in that. Paul Heyman is just a wonderful storyteller. This has been yes. a three-year story, and you – as a wrestling fan, I've never seen a story go three years. And it's like it's been different chapters, one after the other. And he's held the title for three years. That's unheard of in this day and time. The last guy to do it was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, but also um, they, they have so many belts now. They do. They do. Um, and the thing that hurts Roman is he doesn't wrestle much. Uh, he's only wrestled 11 times this year. So, But he's what you call an attraction. When you see him... When you know he's going to wrestle, you're going to watch. Uh, it's kind of like Brock Lesnar. You know, those guys are attractions. But 
you need to take the title off of him. It's it's starting to wear thin. I think fans are getting annoyed because anytime he is in a match, he wins by interference from somebody. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if he's won a match in the last couple of years without interference, you know, so, but it's a great story. Um, he is the ultimate heel right now. Um, so fans, I think, are, are ready to see a change. And, you know, Cody Rhodes is that guy. You know, I look at these guys. You always need that star that's almost bigger than life. And Cody Rhodes is at that point now where he'll be taking photos with everybody kissing babies. And everybody loves him. So he's, he's that next guy. Center stage see. coming back to St. Yep. Louis in February. You know, he's going to be carrying the company for the next couple of years. I truly believe that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Are you going to be doing any book signings, do you think? I'm hoping to. I'm I'm trying, you know, doing everything myself is a little bit difficult. I'm new to it, so I'm not quite sure all the time how to set everything up. So um, I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. Well, well thank you for being on. Yes, I can talk to you like time. all day about stuff because I am not what they call a wrestling fan. I know enough about it to have a conversation with you about it. And I watched sure. Young Rock. Sure. I'm sorry that NBC canceled it after three years because it was just starting to get to his Hollywood phase, but those kids were getting right. too old. Yes, well, they were. Um, I bet one of your, favorite, I did enjoy the show. I, I bet one of your favorite movies is Peter Butter Falcon. Love it. I love that movie. Um, I talked to Mick Foley about it about a year or two ago. And uh, yeah, whenever it's on cable, I always watch it because it's so well done. It is. It's it's a very well made movie, and it's it's a it's a great message too. It's it's one of the only Dakota Johnson movies I enjoy. <laughs> I'm I'm with I'm it. with she is good. I'm with you there. I think she's a, a tremendously bland actress. And <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and and then I talked to a guy at one of my uh, junkets that said he uh, she was like one of the worst interviews, and she did this twice. She was on her cell phone the whole time. Well, I'll tell you what. The worst interview I've ever had was Charlotte Flair. Um, it was horrible. Um, she just didn't want to do it. You could just tell that, you know, and I get it. These guys, they have set days where all they do is media. And I bet I was at the end of her list and everything I asked her, you could just tell in her voice that she did not care. And uh, the interview was supposed to be 15 to 20 minutes. I think it lasted six minutes. Because very short answers, um, you could, you know, I could just tell. I had that feeling through the phone. I'm like, ooh, this this woman does not want to talk to me. Um, and that, <laughs> I know. that was the worst interview I've ever had, which is which is surprising because her dad is such a wild man, and so he can never shut up if you start talking to Rick. Right. Well, right. Uh, a lot that happens a lot of times when you're in the queue. Like, you know, they're doing 15 minutes because I did that with Matthew Morrison of Glee. Remember when he tried to be a singer and go on tour and create a CD and I right. interviewed him and you could tell I was at the end of a very long day where he was saying the same things. And then he quit the tour to go dance with the new kids on the block. Huh. So the article I did never ran, which is good because it wasn't very good. But anyway, we could share so stories like that. Go, all day. go to Amazon and. You can get the book, go to Barnes and Noble and pre-order it because it's yes. coming there too. So the book is called For the Love of the Show, Wrestling Fans Tell Their Stories. Thank you for being on with us today. Thank Thanks you. for having me. And good luck you with too. the book. I have a book coming out in December. So oh, I'll be looking for it. 
<laughs> so yes. So we will talk about that later. Well, so. Lynn, the main movie that's coming out this week, we didn't see. We still haven't seen the Marvels. We because and we didn't haven't seen any of these other movies that we were talking about because theater and hockey and everything. But we did see the movie that's on Netflix now, May December. Oh yes. And I'm still mulling it over. I am not sure who was manipulating who. I haven't figured that out yet. Here's here's what I want to say. Um, it was one of the most unsexy sex scenes I've ever seen, and but still tantalizing because uh, but everything I knew about this movie and everything I thought was gonna happen in this movie did. I was surprised by nothing. Uh, I thought the story was one we've heard before. I've, uh, I, I was not impressed. It's still kind of icky because it is a riff on the Mary Kay Letourneau romance with uh, when she was a teacher and he was in junior high, I want to say maybe middle school. And they, they actually got married and had children. And this is Julianne Moore who is 23 years older than her husband, who she met while working at a pet shop when he was 12, 13. Yeah, it's in sixth grade. And it's it's a really interesting dynamic about maturity levels. Uh, an actress who's going to play her in a movie, Natalie Portman, uh, comes to town. Uh, they live in Savannah, Georgia, to on fabulous waterfront property, I might add. Yeah, uh, that didn't make sense. How are they getting their money? Unless she already wrote what what I filled in the blank. I thought that she possibly wrote a book, and this is the movie adaptation of the book, which is how they got any money. Or the TV movie that was made that looked like a cheesy Lifetime movie. This has Lifetime movie tendencies. Um, it is by Todd Haynes, who's very familiar with people far from heaven. Carol. Icky. Carol. Icky. Um, uh, he has a, he has a, it's for emotional topics. He lacks the emotional connection. <laughs> it's, Let's it's, put it. it's, there, it's, there were, there are things that happen in this movie that are meant to surprise you and they don't I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that's natural. It's like, dun, 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 this is shocking. No, this is exactly how I thought it was going to be. It, it was going to happen one of two ways. And this was one of them. And it's not lazy. It's just that things happen and they seem like they're going to be shocking. But then when they do happen, they're not shocking. The, the story itself is shocking that a 26 year old woman's falling in love or there's a 26 year age gap. That's what it is. That the 14 year olds falling in love with the 30 year old. You can see the one way, but the other way that they still have this relationship and all the manipulation. It's just not. It's the story is shocking. The movie is not. Well, it's not a very healthy uh, anything in this movie that pretends to project like, we're all fine, we're all fine, we're okay, everybody's great. We got three kids. And it's not at all. But then, as we say... None of the kids are healthy either. 
no, 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 no. And uh, you really feel for the young man, Charles Melton, about how his life, uh, like how the poor guy was just taken advantage of his whole life. And uh, Natalie Portman is an actress who shadows uh, with them for her movie because she's going to play Julianne Moore. And uh, it's very interesting. But I was so squirmy during the watching of this. I was sitting next to Alex, young writer for the website, and I was uh, it, it just was so uncomfortable. It, and he said that, too. He goes, it's an uncomfortable watch. Cringy. It's, it, it is cringy. And I don't know how many people are going to embrace this film as. Uh, and, and you're watching it on Netflix, so you can turn it off. Yes. Yes. Well, um, I did see quite a few films, even though I didn't see the big Hunger Games because I was at Tina, the Tina Turner musical at the Fox now through November 26th. And it's fabulous. And if you want to, if it, it, what a great comeback story, but also they sure can, uh, it's just high energy, high octane, all sparkly, wonderful story. Anyway, next goal wins the soccer movie, which is a real story. They got beat 31 to zero. And they have been humiliated on the world soccer stage. Well, this is their comeback. And they hire Michael Fassbender. White savior. As the coach for American Samoa. And because it's Taika Watiti, you know it's going to be quirky. And it's, think of Ted Lasso meets Cool Runnings. It's a feel-good movie. Wait a minute. Well, in Cool Runnings, they still didn't win. Well, okay. I'm not giving anything away, but that all of this is documented. It's based, on, it's based on a true story. Yes. Well, Michael Fassbender at first seems miscast because he's so serious. He's such a serious two-time Oscar nominee actor for Steve Jobs and 12 Years a Slave. But we all remember him in shame. And um, he is a very high-strung coach with a lot of issues. Elizabeth Moss plays his estranged wife. Will Arnett is one of the soccer federation people and doing Will Arnett like he always does. And the, the, the people in it, the Samoan players are actually charming and delightful and make the story. And so do the townsfolk. So it's got that vibe of like, you know, the people in the pub watching Ted Lasso calling him a wanker and everything. And it's it's that whole vibe. But uh, originally, that coach role was supposed to be played by Army Hammer. Oops. So, yeah. So I can see why Michael Fassbender stepped in. But he's in a comeback in a big way because he's in The Killer on Netflix. And this is after he and Alicia Vikander had a child. So anyway. um it's going to be a movie. It's just going to be one of those feel good movies. It's not going to be any awards contender whatsoever. Uh, there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix that I encourage people to watch called stamped from the beginning. It is how our nation evolved with racism. Okay. And it's very interesting. And very fun. 
hard hitting. The Crown starts tonight, which is the the last season, but it's also the season in which Diana meets her untimely demise. And Elizabeth DeBecky looks drop dead gorgeous as Princess Di. And uh, the boys. I didn't are... watch the first five seasons, so I will not be watching the sixth season of The Crown. And the boys, uh, they, Wills and Harry are, you know, the actors are going to play them. So we also did not see, besides The Hunger Games, we did not see Thanksgiving, which is... That's Eli's... tonight. I, I I have family things, so I can't see. I, I think I'm going to even skip Wish tonight and maybe see it next week. But I have things going on that uh, my movie... My movie watching has been curtailed. So uh, I I think Thanksgiving with the sexiest man alive, uh, Patrick Dempsey, has the campness of being amazing. Or it could be absolutely horrible, which could make it amazing as well. Yeah, could go either way. Trolls band together. I do love those trolls movies. No, I heard it's awful. I heard it's. Dumb. Oh, really? And Justin Timberlake, even though NSYNC's in this, Justin Timberlake has not uh, uh, endeared himself to anybody after Britney's book came out. Okay, well, there's always a dance song in it. Uh, so on uh, Blue Beetle shows up on Max on Friday. Yep. The, the Creator, which is just a mess. So derivative of everything else. I'm tired of these visually impressive movies have not having a decent story because, okay, it's pretty to look at, but you're, you're wasting three hours of my time, just like Napoleon. And we'll get to that next week when it comes out. Oh dear God in heaven. It's just the most, Oh, it's just such a mess. It's choppy. It's sterile. It's everything that you don't like in movies. Uh, Dashing Through the Snow is starting on Disney Plus. Don't know anything about that. Do you, Carl? It's Little Rel, Ludacris, and Oscar Nunez from The Office. Aha. Uh -huh. So that is that is what I know about it. I keep seeing ads for it. I was watching, what was I watching? It was either Ratatouille or Encanto on Freeform this weekend because they were doing the 30 Days of Disney. And uh, they kept showing ads for it. So it's on Disney Plus. It's a Little Rel Christmas movie as a man in a suit. Well, you got to watch the Ladybird Diaries on Hulu. It's November 13th. Uh, it started and it is fabulous. And it's a documentary that's in my top 10 of the year. Um, speaking of documentaries, the Critics' Choice Association had the documentary awards on Sunday. And I voted in all of them. And I I'm proud to say most everything I voted for won, including American Symphony, which is going to be on Netflix November 29th. And I'll talk more about that later. But... Still, the Michael J. Fox movie triumphed with five awards, as it should. And Good. I think it, I think it's going to be the big contender for not only St. Louis Film Critics' Best Documentary of the Year, but also Oscars and other award season. So we're we're knee deep in the in the movies yes. right now. So, Lynn, where can they hear and see you talk about things? I will be on KTRS radio on Fridays, uh, 11.08 with Jennifer and Wendy. Uh, although next week we're going to do a a, um, a Thanksgiving, a pre-Thanksgiving show on the November 22nd. 
I am in Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on poplifestl.com, Carl, and I'm on all the socials. Carl, where can we reach you? I am on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday on 97.1 FM Talk. On the weekends, I'm on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. You can find me on Threads, Instagram, and X at underscore Carl the Intern. 99.9% of the time, I am posting hockey stuff at the Enterprise Center doing a horn test. And it usually works, which is why we test it. All right, Lynn, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And I know you're going to be traveling, so be safe and be careful. Well, thank you. And next uh, week, we are going to be early. Yep. So we're going to have a high-ho time. So thank you very much. And uh, Sifu, our dear friend from that was on Survivor, got voted off the island. Oh, no. Because he had mean girls after him. Well, now he's on the jury. Yeah. No. Oh, he didn't get to be on the jury. Oh, no. Because the person that was leaving last week wasn't going to get to be on the jury. Broke his heart. So uh, I hope to be talking to him soon. So everybody, I hope you have a wonderful time preparing for Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy all the festivities. And you'll be going to Backstoppers, won't you? Uh, Yeah. Guns and Hoses Wednesday night. All right. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.